hello hello welcome back to the fangirl report please don't hesitate to hit that subscribe button leave a like comment review rating whatever suits your fancy whatever platform you're on right now thank you so much for tuning in let's get right into it as you probably guessed from the title of this episode we're focusing on marvel's favoritism towards captain america now this isn't something that might seem very obvious to you at first glance when watching the movies but upon closer inspection, it was something that I found, like, it was something that I was surprised I hadn't picked up on sooner. Now, if you're Team Iron Man like myself, you probably weren't happy with how things turned out in Avengers Endgame. And I know we give the Russo brothers a lot of flack for it, but honestly, they're not the ones who write the story. We're going to be looking at the two screenwriters who wrote not only Endgame, but also Infinity War, Captain America the First Avenger, Captain America the Winter Soldier, and Captain America Civil War. Their names are Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Now to give you a little background on these guys, they met when they were in a graduate creative writing program in University of California, I believe. They were trying to be novelists actually, but they didn't think there was any money in it, so they turned to screenwriting. They're actually the same people who wrote Narnia 1, 2, and 3 and writing that trilogy is what led them to the Marvel gig. As of today, they are the highest grossing screenwriters for the worldwide box office, coming in at, oh, $9.3 billion. Not bad. Side note, they also wrote Thor The Dark World, but that's not important. In a New York Times interview, Marcus and McFeely said that Steve was always gonna get his dance with Peggy. That was something that there was no question about it. It was just a done deal, signed, sealed, delivered. It was going to happen. In the interview, McFeely says, From the very first outline, we knew he was going to get his dance. On a separate subject, I started to lose my barometer on what was just fan service and what was good for the character, because I think it's good for the characters, but we also just gave you what you wanted. Is that good? I don't know, but I'll tell you, it's satisfying. So the writers weren't even sure. <laughs> they weren't even sure that it was good storytelling, but they had their hearts set on Cap having a happy ending, so screw it all. And I'm a writer, not a professional writer, but I am a writer, so I totally understand the whole, you know, wanting to give your characters their happy ending. But, you know, there's also the struggle of, is it good storytelling? And having to make the sacrifice for what's better for the story versus what you want. So we can't fully emphasize Marvel's favoritism towards Steve without comparing him to somebody else. And who's always been the flip side, the side of the other coin of Captain America, Tony Stark, aka Iron Man. In the article, the writers say that Tony already got his happy ending, so it's not as big of a tragedy to have him die. I mean, Tony Stark is the one who started the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. It makes sense that he would sacrifice himself, story-wise, but to me the idea that, oh, it's not as sad because he already had his family that doesn't really make sense. If anything, it's more sad because he had a family. You know, in the article, the writers even went on to say that in their original script, Tony was going to go to Asgard in a stealth suit and fight Heimdall. I would have loved to have seen that. I'm not sure why they scrapped it. There was also the matter, though, that they actually wanted Tony to apologize to Steve for what happened in Civil War. Really? I'm sorry, that what? That makes no sense at all. The only reason that didn't happen in the movies is because of Robert Downey Jr. He basically told them, 
no, I am not doing that. It's not happening. And then turned around and gave us the scene of Tony yelling at Steve instead. That made a heck of a lot more sense to me. And this isn't the first time Robert Downey Jr. had to go against not only the Russo brothers, but Marcus and McFeely to, you know, sort of give Tony his due. Another example is in Captain America Civil War. It's a minor detail, but it's a detail all the same. The wrist gauntlet that Tony has, you know, it's a watch. He does this thing where it turns into a gauntlet. That wasn't in the script. That was just an idea Robert Downey Jr. had. And if I remember correctly, it wasn't entirely well received by the directors and the writers, but RDJ pushed for it and it was put in the movie and it's a great moment because it makes sense Tony Stark would have something like that. There's just this pattern of the writers, and again, I we always say it's the Russo brothers, but it's really the writers not giving Tony his due. Then in Infinity War, you have the whole moment where, oh my god, Thanos knows Tony's name. Tony actually is the only one who made Thanos bleed. And then in Endgame, it just seems to sort of forget that all of that happened and don't get me wrong the moment where Steve wheels me on there I lost my mind uh, I think that was the only moment in my movie theater where everybody was just going insane it was a very dull movie theater I will say that but I went berserk everybody was going berserk because it's such a great moment it was hinted at in Age of Ultron and they finally saw it through in Endgame I love that Cap had that moment why didn't Tony also have a moment where he's, you know, fighting against Thanos, similar to what happened in Infinity War. And you could say, oh, but yeah, he already had his moment in Infinity War. He had his moment where he had the crap beaten out of him. And even in Endgame, when he's getting the Infinity Stones from Thanos, he still kind of gets the crap beaten out of him. He really deserved a moment to kind of, you know, triumph over Thanos, not just a millisecond before he dies. And I know I am not a professional in the industry. I have no screenwriting credits, no directing credits to my name. But it just feels like Marcus and McFeely did not understand the characters of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers at all. Which is kind of uncomfortable to say, considering that they wrote the entire Cap trilogy. Here's a quote from them. In a way, Tony has been the mirror of Steve Rogers the entire time. Steve is moving towards some sort of enlightened self-interest, and Tony's moving towards selflessness. I'm sorry, what? Okay, yes, maybe like the first 20 minutes of Iron Man, Tony Stark is extremely selfish. It's They make an effort to show that to you. But then, after being kidnapped, tortured, and then escaping from Afghanistan, becoming Iron Man, the whole concept of him becoming Iron Man was not a selfish desire. It was because he saw he did something wrong. Not even that he did something wrong, but that he had some sort of responsibility of the wrongdoings. And then he wanted to make it right. It was Tony Stark taking responsibility for something that happened under his nose, something that happened on his watch. And then beyond that, I know people always point to Iron Man 2 as an example of why Tony Stark is like a terrible character. First of all, he was dying. Second of all, he was dying from palladium poisoning. I'm pretty sure that has something to your brain functions. And third of all, everything that he was doing was to push everyone away so that when he died, it wouldn't hurt them as much. He didn't want to put any concern on those around him. He didn't want to, you know, make them worry because as far as he knew, there was no cure. So why bother making everybody around him scared and worried and sad? 
Not exactly the best logic, but he was doing what he thought was best for those around him. On the other hand, Steve, don't get me wrong, he's he's absolutely a hero. He absolutely does what he believes is right, even if I don't agree with him, but he does what he thinks is right. But the idea that Steve Rogers never acts in self-interest, that just completely blows my mind. His whole desire about wanting to join the army, yes, he wanted to fight for his country, fight for freedom and all of that, but there's also a matter of pride. In historical context, if you were a young man who was not in the war, if you were not a soldier fighting overseas, you were looked down upon. And we see him dealing with that. He even has a conversation with Bucky in his first movie. Bucky says, there's plenty of guys who are contributing to the war effort over here. Why can't you do the same? And Steve's just insistent, no, I have to be a soldier. I have to go fight overseas. If he never got the super soldier serum and he was accepted as a soldier into the US Army, all of his fellow soldiers would have been put at risk because he would be a liability. But he did get the serum. You know, he did save the world from Hydra temporarily. So let's talk about Hydra. Let's talk about the Winter Soldier. Steve Rogers wanted to save Bucky Barnes. Yes, he wants to help his friend. He wants to free him from Hydra. But you can't deny that part of the reason he wants to save Bucky so bad is because he wants a piece of his old life back. The first like half hour of the Winter Soldier is just Steve reminiscing about his old life and missing everything and you know he goes to see Peggy because she's like the only part of his old life that he still has. And then you know Age of Ultron he throws that line at Tony that sometimes my teammates keep secrets from me you know in a very condescending manner. It's like Steve you hid the fact that the Winter Soldier killed Tony's parents from Tony while using Tony's money to find Bucky. Like, I know we're not talking about Steve's hypocrisy right now, but the hypocrisy in that whole situation. So yeah, he absolutely has acted in self-interest many a time, but that is not emphasized on in the movies. You know, Steve can do these things, say these things. You know, he can even be a fugitive from the law, but yet he's still, he's still the better hero than Tony Stark. It's just, it's just favoritism, plain and simple. I mean, when you're going into an ensemble movie, Avengers, Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, and you hire the writers who wrote the entire Cap trilogy, and you hire the directors who directed two-thirds of the Cap trilogy, of course, things are going to wrap up in a way that favors Captain America. There's no doubt about it. It's just a shame, in my opinion, because for all that Tony Stark did for the Avengers, you know, both in launching the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also as a character in the movies, he just, he really just got the short end of the stick. And if you're a Team Iron Man fan, that is a very depressing note to end on, but that is how I'm going to leave you guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, comment below if you're Team Cap or if you're Team Iron Man. I'd be interested to see what the numbers are here. And again, don't hesitate to subscribe, comment, review, rating, thumbs up, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Bye, guys.